Welcome to the Blue Collar Gold Podcast, the podcast that shows you how to build a world-class service business from the dirt up. And now your host, Mark Stoner. Mark Stoner, and, and great to be back again this week. I wanted to start off with a really nice Facebook message I got from Paul S. I won't say his last name. He said, hi, Mark. Sorry to message you out of the blue. Just wanted to say how much your podcast has helped me. It's been incredible. I'm a chimney sweep from London, and your experiences and advice have been priceless. Since listening to your podcast and digesting all the book recommendations, I've grown from one van setting up now and now sitting up to my third van and taking on an office manager and I can see the path for further growth. My whole mindset and outlook has completely changed for me as a person, which has had a positive impact on all the people around me. Thank you so much. Hopefully in the future, I will come to visit you at Ash Busters. All the best. Thumbs up and a top hat. Man, that, I mean, that's it right there. That's that's why we do it. That's why anybody that does these free podcasts reaches out and and you really want to help people. And in this case, Paul made my day and it was absolutely uh, awesome. So speaking of awesome, I have a recent person I just met, Ryan England. He's with Core Matters and he has got the, one of the hottest topics to talk about that there is right now. So uh, welcome to the show, Ryan. Oh, thanks for having me, Mark. So, Ryan, tell us, so, man, hiring and retaining and employees right now, it's all over the news. People can't get people to work. They can't get them to stay. They can't get them to answer the phone. They can't get them to show up for the interview. It's just headline news all over the place. And we're in the middle of a huge building boom. Mm -hmm. Man, how do you, what do you do and how do you help businesses? Uh, so that's, that's a big question to answer there, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it was, it was a few years ago and I had this, I had a digital agency where I was working with home service companies and they had trucks just sitting empty and they're like, I can't take on the business. I can't find people. I mean, this was five, six years ago. Right. And, um, and it occurred to me that recruiting, uh, attracting people to apply for jobs at your company is a marketing problem. Yes. It's not an HR problem. It's not a, oh, we got to post more jobs on Craigslist problem. It's a marketing problem. 100%. So what what I did was I set out to solve this problem for small businesses and say, hey, you know, nobody's teaching this stuff. You know, you can go hire a recruiter if you need a chief operating officer, you know, or VP of sales. But if you need a tech in the field, there's nobody out there really helping you with that. Right. So I built the CoreFit hiring system, and it's a set of tools and processes that we actually help these small businesses implement. So they have complete control over how many people they're attracting, how many people they're hiring, and ultimately, like it's what it's all for, right? It's how many people they're retaining. Right. Because you can put all the efforts into lots of hires, but if they don't stick around. Exactly. And so many times, you know, we talk, I talk to business owners that can't get anybody to stay, and a lot of times it's it's almost like the employees were either sold a bill of goods coming in that this company was going to be better than they thought. And a lot of times it ends up being some, a lot of leadership and culture problems in companies. What, what do you find as far as retention, like in that kind of arena? Yeah. So 
this is this is my opinion and there are people that disagree with me but that's okay if somebody leaves or you want them to leave in the first 90 days it was a problem with your hiring system okay you made a bad hiring decision if they leave after 90 days it's a leadership or a culture issue interesting that's the cutoff for me. So anytime anybody's leaving in the first 90 days, you haven't really had enough time to onboard them. I mean, you're still in the honeymoon phase. For sure. So if it's if you ask them to leave or they leave in the first 90, it typically means that you either made a bad decision or you didn't follow through on something that they expected to happen. Or they didn't throw follow through on something I expected to happen. Like you can climb a ladder. Oh yeah, no problem. Touché. I mean, like uh, you could show up on time. Oh yeah, no problem. So yeah, yeah that, that makes a lot of sense. So that first ninety days, we know it's a it's a it is sometimes a hiring problem. But I can tell you, sometimes the guy that showed up on week two and three was not the guy that was on the paper. You know, I'm like, so where did funny that you word it that way? I wrote a book called How to Hire the Ones You Won't Want to Fire. Oh, I like that. Because it's exactly what happens. It's like, wait a minute. I interviewed yeah. Johnny last week. Who are <laughs> <Right>. you? <laughs> who's, who's, who's this guy? Yeah. Absolutely. yeah you, you didn't tell me you didn't have a car. You showed up. I thought you had a car. Oh, it wasn't your car. And yeah. now you ride a bike to work and can't come when it's raining and your alarm clock doesn't work. It's. <laughs> But, Reliable transportation does not mean you have a buddy's car that you can borrow sometime. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, and, I, and everybody has crazy hiring stories, but let's back up to when is the right time to hire people? Like when you're coaching people and, and they're like, man, when do I hire? You know, what, what's the point? Do you, do you coach or talk about that at all? So I have this belief that you should always be hiring. Right. Always available to hire. Mm-hmm. And I get people pushed back. They're like, well, I don't have any empty trucks right now. And I don't have enough leads coming. And I was like, yeah, but one of your techs could have to move away, could get sick. Um, his wife could be like, hey, we're moving back home to live with family. You have That's no happened. control over these things. Right. And so when you're always available for people to apply, it doesn't mean that you're actually offering them a job. Mm-hmm. Always in that process of letting applications come in, reviewing them, interviewing people. And I like to say, you're just letting them sit on the bench until they're ready to play. That's exactly what my one of my guys does. It helps us bring people in and recruit people is he sits them on the bench for a little bit and he gets them kind of going back and forth and, and tries to see if they're going to be a good fit. And, and yeah, like you said, might not be ready right now. So one of the things, how do you determine, so you're always hiring. sounds like you're taking part of my, I would, you would take part of my marketing budget and put it into hiring. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. A big part of what we do, though, is employer branding. And I think that's the thing that people forget about. There's so much effort put into effective marketing and a cool website and reputation management for getting customers. I don't know about your business, but it doesn't really seem to be a problem these days. Yet, I mean, there's more business than people can handle. 100%. Nobody has ever thought, well, wait a minute. What if I pivoted and I put that effort into having my website be about recruiting, having my reputation websites be about recruiting, updating Facebook about we're hiring. And and I think that's the big shift that needs to happen is putting Mm -hmm. your marketing efforts towards recruiting more so than you put it towards lead gen. 
Right. So let's talk about pay. Do you coach people on how much to pay or like where is the, you know, where's the sweet spot about what people are interested in when they come to work for people? Sure. So we actually don't do a lot of coaching around pay because I have a very simple philosophy. Find out what the market wants and pay that plus a little. Like that's yes. it. So if I your market's that. 16 bucks an hour and that's pretty much what everybody's paying, you pay 16.50 or 70 and then you're done. You don't play the pay game. Yes. This just came out. This was a 2020 report that came out. 83% of millennials which, by the way, are now 50% of the workforce. Mm. They're out there. <laughs> you got to deal mm. with them. 83% will take a pay cut to go work for somebody whose purpose aligns with theirs and whose values align with theirs. I believe that 100% because recently we've gotten several technicians that were in the millennial world came to us from other companies. One, pay was okay. Upward mobility was important. But we have a pretty solid safety program. You know, you know, the guys have to be safe wearing harnesses and roof and yeah. all the stuff. And and that was so important to them that we took their safety seriously and we weren't just some bunch of guys going, get up there and get it done, you know. And and yeah, how do we do it safely was is we talk about it every day. And what you just said makes a ton of sense about it's some of the intangible things where you have to figure out what matters to them. So pay, I've heard it several times, pay is two or three, you know, down the list sometimes when people want to come work for you. Yeah. A lot of times we see our clients hire people and they take a pay cut. Mm-hmm. Because remember, people don't leave jobs. Yeah. Leave employers. Yeah. And so if they're in a toxic environment or they're not aligned to the culture, all of a sudden, they're like, wait a minute, I'll be happier. I'll be less stressed. I'm yeah. Have more fun in my life if I take a little pay cut. I mean, people do it all the time. Yeah. You know, I've, I've recently switched my thinking probably in the last couple of years where we used to try to bring in people kind of for as little money as we could and then move them up the ladder if they were good. Because when you first yeah. bring them in, they're kind of worthless. And I have completely 180 degrees flipped that. If we go through the process and they're a good person and there's somebody we want on the team, we're going to pay as much as we possibly can. We're going to pay whatever they want, at least for the first 30, 60 days. We have a, a commission-based pay. But for those, if, if I don't pay a really high number like what you just said – the great person will never walk through. I mean, they, they won't walk through my door. I mean, maybe I can turn a piece of coal into a diamond, but man, I'd rather have the, the dull diamond come in and I can polish yeah. them up, right? Absolutely. Totally makes sense. Do you on your, so tell me what your process is. If, if somebody listening today wants to engage you in your company, what, what are some of the things you look for and you do? Yeah. So the, the biggest thing for us is we have to have someone has an open mind about this because the shift from recruiting belonging to HR to belonging to marketing is a big shift. Mm. You got to be willing to make that shift. And that's one of the things we look for because a lot of times what we'll do is we'll talk to an owner and they'll be like, oh, I got my HR person. I'm going to have them call you. I'm like, this is not an HR issue. This is a leadership issue. This is an ownership issue. Let's fix it there. And so like the way we work with clients is we have a 
90 day intensive coaching and training program. Okay. For 90 days, we are going to work directly with the owner of the company and even some of their leaders, depending on the size. And we're going to help them implement the pre-hire stages of our process. What we found is that if you hire better, your retention goes up. Just by that one simple thing, you start making better hiring decisions, people are going to stay. That's, so that's right. You can reduce half your turnover issues just by making better hiring decisions. So the first thing you do is work with it before you even try to hire anybody, you get in and work with the owner or the management team and you go through what they need to get right first. Is that, is that what I'm hearing? So that's in the middle of our process. So the first thing we do is we figure out where they're at. We get a baseline. Okay. Let's see what your market looks like. I, I'm not going to pretend to understand every market and every opportunity that's out there. So the first thing we do is we actually introduce them to the software that is, is an amazing tool for helping them recruit. Every okay. position have it. I don't care if you're hiring one person a year or a hundred. You should have an applicant tracking system. Yes. Uh, you know, businesses don't run without CRMs. And if they do, they run poorly. So uh -huh. it's the same thing here. You don't hire without an applicant tracking system. And for those of you that don't know, what this is, it's like a CRM, but it connects to all the job boards. So you don't have to run to Craigslist and post a job and run to Indeed and post a job and run to snag a job and post a job. You put it in one place and it distributes it to all the job boards. Interesting. And so that's the first thing we do is just get that baseline. Right. So we, my, one of my guys that helps us do hiring really focuses on the other side of that, which is recruiting. He does, he goes and hunts down resumes and he does the keyword side. Do you, do you work down that path as well as job posting? Yeah. So there's, there's three different techniques that we teach and you already mentioned one is hunting. Right. And that's where you're sitting here and you're focused on finding those passive job seekers, those people that aren't on the job boards that aren't looking, reaching out to them and saying, hey, check out this opportunity. Let me know what you think. And then from there, we've got farming, which you've already mentioned as well. Finding that rough diamond and, and grooming them and, and you're growing them. You're patience, right? I mean, if you're going to be a farmer and you're going to create amazing texts, you've got to be patient. Yeah. But what we really teach is fishing. Okay. And we use these analogies too in our sure. training. What we teach is fishing. You got to have the right bait. You got to have the right gear. You got to be in the right location. I mean, you know, the, the one thing I think people forget is that in that 15 to $20 an hour range, Amazon is now your biggest competitor. I know it. So yeah. And down the street doing the same thing you do. Yeah. Amazon, Aldi, the grocery stores, the warehousing guys. That's exactly right. Yep. And so uh, so we teach all three of those. But the one that I believe is the most effective long term is just like if you want to be a recruiter, you're constantly putting efforts in. It's like paying for Google ads. As soon as you stop paying for Google ads, it stops working. As mm -hmm. soon as you start hitting this, the pavement, it stops working. Yeah. Farming, on the other hand. You got to be super patient. You got to plant crops now and they might take two or three years before they turn into anything. Yeah. And so most people can't wait. But with fishing, as soon as you have the gear and the skills, you can throw as many lines out as you want and have as many people. come in. Yeah. So what has been the biggest, how long, how long have you been doing this specific, you know, 
business and what's been some of the biggest shifts you've you've seen over the last few years? Yeah, so I've been doing the recruiting stuff specifically for six years. Prior to that, we did normal lead gen for home service companies. Okay. Uh, and I would say that I almost want to throw out 2020 in the first part of 2021 because nobody, anybody that tells you they've got it figured out, they're lying to you. Let me just be really yeah. clear. It's yeah. So weird. Yeah. Uh, but I would say that the the biggest thing that I've seen is there's really been more of an awareness to people don't leave jobs, they leave managers. Mm-hmm. And companies are much more open now to this idea of employer branding. And for those of you that aren't thinking about employer branding, or this is a brand new term to you, uh, it's going to get really hard really quick as your competitors pick up on this. Because the Amazons of the world have it figured out, all these of the world have it figured out, like they know how to attract people with more than just pay. Do you want to talk about what that is? Or is that part of your secret sauce when you bring no, I can tell you about employer branding. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, so here, here's a, here's an analogy that I like to use. Uh, so I, I haven't been in the dating world in a long time and I hear it's changed a lot. <laughs> I've heard that too. <laughs> so apparently there's apps and you swipe and you do all this stuff now, <laughs> but if, if you're going to say, hey, you know, it's time for me to settle down and get married, um, you're probably not going to get out of, roll out of bed, throw on some Sunday sweats and snap your pictures and say, hey, I'm looking for somebody on your profile. Like you're going to spend some time thinking, well, maybe I should get a haircut. Maybe I should wash my clothes, take a shower, shave a little bit. Like you're going to go through this process of making yourself more attractive. Yes. And for a lot of small business owners, they've never really thought about making themselves attractive to the people they want to attract. Mm. And that's what employer branding comes down to. That's a great point and a great philosophy on that. You know, one of the things that we do, we work on a lot is our company story. Uh, we worked on, we've recently gotten top workplace in Tennessee uh, two years in a row. There's a local newspaper. That's one of those competitions. And, um, you know, we learned how important, you know, what we look like on the outside for employees. And also, you know, because like on all of our emails, we we use not the one that I use because I don't do anything, but, but uh, almost from everybody else, it shows top workplace of Tennessee and you know, ethics award from the BBB and just those kind of what you say is looking good going out. So people go, yeah, I, and I want to work there. And one of the questions that we ask is, have you ever heard of us? You know, when we at, when we talk to a new potential person and in our industry, a lot of people have heard about us and that to your point, that employer branding, that people know who we are as we call, but even if they don't know who we are, we go into our company story and how the company started and what we're about and all that. How important is company story to, you know, in your process or what you guys do? Yeah. It's funny that you use that. So we call it a core story. Yeah. uh, So that it's branded, but we actually teach a process called core story and uh, it goes, it follows right in behind a clear vision for your company. Yes. Like I said about millennials, they want to align to a purpose. They want to align to a cause. They want to align to a set of values. That's your vision. And your core story is how you communicate that. And, you know, a lot of people spend a lot of time building a story internally, but they never think about how do I take that and put it out for the masses? Yeah. Core story is all about. 
So what happens, and I was on a Facebook chat today, and, you know, one of the guys wrote, and I'm kind of paraphrasing, but he said, you know, the hardest time in business is the time that you realize that you need to get rid of an employee and the time that you actually do it. That's a really rough time, you know, in those those two moments. What do you do? Do you coach or talk anything about, you know, moving an employee out and when's the right time and what's the best way to do it? I have a philosophy. It's called hire slow, hire quick. <laughs> hire slow, hire quick, or fire quick. Hire yeah. slow, fire quick. Right. Um, yeah. But I, I know exactly what you're saying. It's that downtime where you feel almost like you're handcuffed and you can't get rid of them and you're scared to do it. And it's it's a fear-based delay. That's what's really happening. But if you're always recruiting and you have a bench. Yes. That fear goes away really fast. You have hit it on the head. When when you've got a bench and and you've got guys that can be can come up, can step up, two things happen. One, you as an employer feel better. And two, the guys that are, you know, your starters realize they can be replaced. Because sometimes when there's no bench, they're like, you're not going to replace me. I'm, you know, you don't have anybody. You need me. And there is this entitlement thing that can happen if you don't have a bench. Absolutely. I get this question a lot where they know they've got someone they want to replace. And they're like, but I don't want to post the job because what if they find out? And there's this hesitancy to post the job because this guy might find out that you're replacing him. And I'm like, so what's the worst that happened? He quits. Like you want him gone anyways. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But on the other side, one of the things we've found, we've seen this happen time and time again, especially this happens with office jobs. Someone will find out that you're advertising for a new controller or a new office manager. And it's amazing what that'll do to someone's performance. Like right. overnight, they become a top employee because they're like, wait a minute. I can't right. out on the streets if he finds somebody. Yeah. So, you win either way. <laughs> yeah. So I guess, well, flip that one more time. What happens when you find your own employee's resume out on Indeed? Yep. yep. What so, do you What do you tell them? What do you do? It's a wake up call. It's not. It's not about saving that employee. It's why is that employee looking? Yeah. That needs to be a wake up call for you. So you need to look at who their manager is. You need to look at the projects they're on. You need to look at what promises didn't you keep? What expectations aren't being met? Like you need to look internally. Yeah. And this is, this is going to be tough for a lot of people to hear, but just like that dating analogy, right? Like if, if I'm not getting people that are interested in me, whose fault is that? Exactly. <laughs> so if you've got people leaving, you want to fix it, go look in the mirror. 100%. Yeah, I, I agree. We're on the same page. I keep saying 100%. I agree. But I, you, you and we are talking the same language. What do you say when people say this millennial generation doesn't know how to work and doesn't want to work? I mean, I personally, I, I, that's completely false. Every generation has good workers and bad workers. And this millennial generation has some of the best workers ever. Yep. And some of the ones that have been coddled and babied. I, I don't find it's actually a generational thing. So it's funny because people say, well, millennials, they don't stick around. They leave every couple of years. Well, if you go back and you look at the records for Gen X and for the baby boomers, between the time that they entered the workforce and the time they were 35, they had a dozen jobs too. 
Yes. It looks like they stick around because as they got older, they settled down and they, they stuck around. Well, everybody does, everybody remembers their past in, and they gloss over all their mistakes when they were late to work all the time, when they didn't do a good job, when they messed up. They feel like, oh, I was great from, you know, cradle till now. And they don't, they don't let anybody else. I think it's a thing where you just look back and see the mistakes of the, the generation coming up and think that they're wrong and you forget about your, your mistakes. I, think I know for I know for sure I, I was a lot. I wasn't very higher when I first started. I need to be. I need to have some consequences. I need to have some accountability because I was rolling in late, showing up late, not doing great. Like that came later in life. Yeah, I think if you look at the generations, and this could be a whole episode just on its own, but if you look at the boomers, the boomers were taught by their greatest generation parents who went through the. Uh, the world wars and they went through the great depression. They were taught, Hey, you know what? You got to find an employer. You got to save your money. You got to plan for retention, you know, a pension and retirement. You got to do all of that. So the, the baby boomers did this, like their parents taught them. And then all of a sudden nothing bad happened. Right. right. We had an oil crisis and a couple of little things, but nothing like the depression, the world wars. And so they went and they told their gen X kids, Hey, you know what? Here's what you want to do. You, you want to get a good job, but make sure it's, it's the right job for you. Make sure you're happy. Make sure. And then as nothing happened again, they went and told their millennial kids, you do whatever you want. You want to be an astronaut? Go be an astronaut. You want to be an influencer? Go be an influencer because it's not scary anymore. And it's, it's not the millennials fault that they got participation trophies. Let's just be clear. 100%. They weren't throwing a fit because they didn't win. It was their parents saying, Hey, give them one. So but millennials, they are some of the hardest workers. They are some of the most committed. The thing I love about millennials is they don't know how to, like, they have work-life integration. You may have heard of work-life balance, right? You go to work from nine to five, and then on the nights and weekends, you spend time with the family. Millennials are like, no, work and life integrates. Like, if I'm on my lunch break, I'm going to be texting my friends or Facebooking my friends, but then they'll work later in the evening. And yeah. so- it's being able to understand that as employers, we have to ad- adapt to the changing times and to the new generation. So good. That is so good. We've got a couple more minutes. What if somebody wants to engage your company? What how do they do it? Yeah. So the, the easiest thing to do is just go look me up on the website at thecorematters.com. Uh, also, if you got my name, I'm very easy to find. I put a lot of effort into employer branding. Um, but, uh, you know, what we'll do is we'll, we'll get together for about 30, 45 minutes on a short phone call. Just make sure the right fit for each other. I'll yeah. be honest, this isn't for everybody. Uh, yeah. But if this is something that you know is important for your business and you know you're never going to hit your goals until you fix the hiring problem, then we're going to be a great fit for each other. Um, <laughs> But shortly after that, we, we enroll you in the training and coaching program. We help you build out the whole process, the whole way. There's no, it's not like here, just go do this. Good luck. Like right. we're pulling you through it and we're making sure that you're getting the results you want. Do you, tell me some success stories. Tell me some, some companies that you were able to, to uh, change around and, and give me some, because we, what the people that are listening from what I can tell Pretty, you know, operators that operate one truck up to, you know, make, so, so somewhere between, you know, two to three employees up to probably 30 employees is probably the average size business that's listening and, and trying to build their business. So we've got 
we've got clients that are small as it's the owner and he wants to make sure he does the, his first hire the right one because that's a critical one. And we've worked with clients up to 250 employees. So all in between, most of ours are between that five and probably 30 range. That's okay. what we're in. Uh, but, uh, you know, we had one just recently. We had a, a client that posted an ad and uh, on the job boards even. We got 83 applicants in four days. That sounds and, good. And so, but but then what happens, he looks, he's like, I'm already buried. How do I get through 83 applicants? Um, but a lot of great people in there. And so he's working through the process, taking his time, hiring slowly. And, uh, you know, he's got it narrowed down. So we had another one. Um, <clears throat> we had one of our larger clients. They were stuck at 145 employees. And in order for them to stop burning out their guys over time and, and budget overruns and those kinds of things, they needed 50 people. And so they implemented our process and they hired 50 people in 90 days. Wow. Oh my gosh. Hiring 50 people, that, that just blows my mind. And I know there's companies that do it, yeah. but so you help them set up a system and I guess through your app and your process so that there's a applicant follow-up and there's a, there's a process to, to, on- I guess you don't help with onboarding. You just help them come on and then you hand off to the company. Our our process does take them into onboarding, but that 90 day intensive is let's just get applicant flow up. Let's get you interviewing. Let's get, let's solve today's problem, which is I don't have enough people. Yeah. Uh, Once we're done with that at the end of the 90 days and that system is running and, and it's good. We do have another program they can go into where they, we go into onboarding. We go into engagement. How do you assess? people's results because that's the other thing you're probably holding on to people that aren't top performers but because you're not measuring it you have no idea yep that's a whole different episode (laughs) (laughs) we'll have to have multiple episodes for sure you are on such a great topic so everybody's listening if you are having hiring issues give ryan a call he's at thecorematters.com look him up uh He's got a whole different hiring system than, and I know some some of the people listening have used my chief operation officer on a kind of a contingency basis, a consulting basis to come in and help you. But yours is more of a long range build something that you can refer back to, you know, for forever. I mean, nothing's forever, but for a very long time, I would say. Well, that's a big part of what we do. We hand them the system. We say, this is what we know works. And then what we do is we teach them how to make the adjustments and the modifications so it works even better for them. Yeah. Fantastic. All right, man. A great episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Guys, reach out to Ryan. And uh, thanks again, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Wow. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. I found myself saying 100%. Yeah, right. I mean, I was saying it so much because... Uh, I, I find what he's saying is what's missing a lot. When I consult with people and talk to people, uh, his company is definitely hitting on some areas that are needed. And I don't see a lot of people in the marketplace offering what he's doing. So please reach out to him if you want to get more people hired and hopefully better people. You guys know my stories and my hiring nightmares and, uh, I, I'm a big fan of hiring experts to help me. And you know that I think the fastest way you can go in business is not to try to figure out everything yourself. Now from hiring to HR to accounting to websites, like 
If you want to move fast, you need to delegate out to those people who are very, very good at that thing. And they've developed a, a path for you to move through. And that is the way to go fast. And, and I think that, uh, if you want to, I know that for my company, when I first started placing ads the way I did it, we didn't have much luck. And when, uh, and when when we finally did fi- figure out how, how to hire a lot of good people, our numbers went through the roof. And so did, as Ryan said, the guys on the bench pushed up. Uh, the, when you get that base real solid full of people, your your starters get a little nervous and they get a little they, they don't they're not so entitled, let's just say, but it moved the whole team up. So Ryan is really on to something. All right, guys, that's our time. We went over a little bit, but I uh, hope you enjoyed your week and we'll talk to you soon thanks for listening to the blue collar gold podcast please subscribe on itunes or any place that you listen to podcasts more information is also available at markstoner.com